0: Hello everybody. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another episode of Akeem's Dream Show, and today we're going to be talking about rocket port anywhere in the world in under an hour. Quite a novel concept to think we can get around the world in less than an hour. It's not reality yet unless you're taking a rocket. but we've come a long way since the days of 19 or sorry, pardon me, 1872, when a book called "Around the World in Eighty Days" was published. That's back when they were using hot air balloons and not airplanes. I think it was 1901, the Kitty Hawk and the Wright brothers created the first airplane. And fast forward about 121 years and now we're launching rockets on a routine basis. And it's become commercially viable for a select group of billionaires to make rocket travel commercially viable. In other words, they're going to be able to, in the next 10 to 12, maybe even shorter years, Give you a plane ticket, or sorry, give you a rocket ticket the same way they would give you a plane ticket, and you can rocket your ass from, I'm right now in Edmonton, from Edmonton to Moscow in, let's say, I don't know, 45 minutes. I can't get to the nearest town, Red Deer, from Edmonton in 45 minutes. And you're telling me I can go to Russia? It's pretty crazy stuff. Now, there's a lot of physics and a lot of rocket science. Don't you love that uh, platitude Listen, man, it's not rocket science. Well, today we're talking about rocket science. God damn it. So we're going to get to the nitty gritty here. But it's, I think it's just such a cool novel concept that a lot of people in the future are never going to know what jet lag is. They're never going to know what a long flight is. They're never going to know what it's like to sit on a flight from Calgary to Gatwick in between two people who are unfamiliar with bodily hygiene and perhaps deodorant. For about, I don't know, eight or nine hours. Uh, I think that's where I picked up the bad habit of breathing through my mouth because I didn't want to breathe through my nose that whole trip. Especially, it's the best when you're on these long flights, eight, nine plus hour long flights where you're in between people and there's always that huge negotiation about who gets the armrest. Sometimes, um, if I'm in a good mood, I'm like, you know what? It's only a two hour flight. Armrest is all yours, my friend. Rest away. And then not only do they take the armrest, they have the gall to rest their head on your shoulder. It's like my armrest wasn't enough. You got to put your head on my, you know, by the time we land, we're like cuddling because I just give in. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to embrace this sweaty, disgusting heat, just body juices in this coach aisle seat. Looking forward to maybe riding uh, first class one day. But, hey, if you can buy a rocket ticket, they'll all be first class. I guarantee you that. You ain't going to be paying $10, $12 million, which is what they're going to be proposing here, for a flight from Edmonton to Russia, Edmonton to Moscow, for $12 million, and have to deal with who's getting to get the armrest. God damn it. I paid $12 million. I'm getting a back rub and a hot stone massage, not just the armrest. God damn it. The genesis of this episode was back in 2020. Back in 2020, less than a year ago, uh, the Falcon 9 launched the first commercial flight into space with humans on board to the International Space Station by uh, SpaceX, right? Tesla, Elon Musk's company, and they launched two guys there. And uh, I mean, that's not nothing new. We've been putting people into space since the 60s. But what was new about it was the fact that the rocket that they used to get into the stratosphere, get into outer orbit was reusable second stage of the rocket which was which housed the astronauts went into space but the first phase first stage of the rocket it went from florida i think it was uh pensacola where they do all the launches and launched them into space and then over the atlantic ocean it came and in about four minutes or five minutes later it lands on its own no less on an aircraft on a, on a yeah aircraft carrier or some kind of uh platform out on the atlantic ocean just off the coast of ireland you didn't mishear me. I said four to five minutes. You know how long it takes to get from Florida to, I don't know, Dub- Dublin normally? I mean, I didn't look it up, but I guarantee you it's not four to five minutes. So, I mean, this is, a, I had a revelation that people have been kind of aware of for a long time that once commercially we can launch rockets with people in them into inter, uh, you know interplanetary destinations, not into space, but another place on the planet, I mean, we've, pretty much one 100th our time for travel now if you're a business person or you're whatever or you just want to get to your vacation in a hurry this sounds really good five minutes versus i don't know six hours how much is your time worth so yeah that was last year and it got me thinking what would these flights be like what would they look like and SpaceX actually has plans for these uh, suborbital commercial rocket travels to be taking over for from commercial flights, and I mean this is uh, th- their premise is yeah anywhere in the world in less than an hour for the same prices as, as a regular pr- plane ticket. Now the aviation industry <laughs> is infamously bad with their uh, books and accounting because it has uh, broken even since the history of airplanes have been around, so it's not a very good business model. So I'm interested to see how they're going to make this commercially viable. But the fact is the technology is pretty much here. We can launch people, not into space, but kiss the stratosphere and land wherever you want in the world in less than an hour. Pretty cool shit. Now, super fi- super fast flights, it's not new. I mean, we had the Concorde jet that was commercial back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I believe. And that one was famous for doing its New York... To London flights where you could be doing breakfast in London and dinner in New York because the flight across the Atlantic Ocean, which would normally be, I think it was like five hours. Uh, yeah, it was like normally uh, five, six hours. It now took you three hours and 30 minutes. So you shaved essentially almost half the time off by taking this Concorde jet. And the secret behind this Concorde jet was it getting to about 60,000 feet or more. So you change the trajectory. By going super high, which is the same way rockets worth, and you essentially, by going super fast and going super high, and not that kind of super high, right? It's a different podcast. But by going super fast and super high, you essentially uh, limit the time and you shorten the distance. Uh, So yeah, these Concorde jets would get to 60,000 plus feet where a commercial airliner, you know, your typical Uh, just typical airplane would only get to about 30,000 feet in cruising speed. And those commercial airliners that we all take nowadays, they don't even go as fast as they can because it actually is less economical for them. It's cheaper for them to, uh, I don't know, fly 80% speed because if they go at a hundred percent speed, the same way you do in your car, if you're constantly gunning it, you're burning more gas. It's not as economical. So it's the same thing for these airlines One of their biggest expenses is gas. So they're just going to get you to your destination when they feel like it. (laughs) Uh, but uh, these Concorde flights, they just couldn't make money at it. So they discontinued it in the late 90s, and they're like, sorry, I don't care if you have a fucking appointment in New York. You're going to sit your ass in this plane for five hours. Now, this isn't a rocket, but there's a company called Virgin. Everyone's familiar with Richard Branson and all the amazing things he does. He's got a company called Virgin Galactic, and they're taking this interplanet uh, Uh, supersonic speed travel pretty seriously as well they are partnering with Rolls-Royce the car company to create a jet engine that can achieve Mach 3 or 2,300 miles per hour so that's England to New York in two hours which is faster than the Concorde but it'll set you back about 12 mil I like to call a mil a stick I'll call you it will set you back about 12 sticks so some of you got the bag like that totally get it and if you do by the way College at your boy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, rockets. Uh, you know, we have the uh, Virgin Galactic, which is great. It will get you to Mach 3. But to get anywhere on the planet in less than an hour, we're talking 18,000 miles per hour, which is Mach 23. And one Mach, to give you some perspective, is the speed of sound. So if you're going Mach 2, you're going two times the speed of sound. So if you're going <laughs> if you're going Mach 23, you're going... 23, 23 times the speed of sound or as fast as a, your typical Jamaican speaks. Yeah, wagon, you know what I mean? Sometimes I listen to a Jamaican speak, I'm like, even though I'm Jamaican, I can speak a little Patois, you know, from time to time, you know, Yeah, yeah respect respecting a bad boy, you know, a rude boy, you know. Now, if there's any rocket scientists or legit engineers out there who are like a king, your math is way off. I think you get the gist. We're fucking cruising <laughs> for going uh, that fast. So, Are there any concerns with this kind of stuff? Well, of course, if you're going to be jumping into a rocket now, uh, rockets are not really super famous for not blowing up (laughs) uh, or having issues. I mean, that's why there's so many tests going on. And uh, I think Elon just uh, successfully landed his first 50 ton mega jet or mega rocket to like do uh, the hokey pokey on his way down, coming down horizontal and then boosting itself to be upright again and land. But once it landed, it blew up. So, we do have some ways to go. And I mean, you're going to have to take a leap of faith. Like, I mean, those first people who jump on that rocket, in through the nose and out through the mouth. Can you handle, can the human body actually handle the G forces associated with Mach 23? We don't know. And maybe somebody out there is like, hell no to the no, no, no. If you pass out going down the, the, uh, what's that? What's the merry go round? If you pass out on that, say this ain't for you, you know. Uh, you're best taking a a flight with like seven different layovers. But if you are one of those brave souls out there who can handle Mach 23, or if you just don't mind passing out, if it means getting, maybe that's the thing. You're like, hey, listen, I'm not going to survive this Mach 23. Or no, I'm not going to stay awake for it. It's going to pass me the fuck out. But I'm willing to get knocked out to get there faster. how I wonder how many people would be willing to do that. Like, listen, I don't care if it knocks me out. If I can get to my destination in hundredth, one one hundredth of the time, Sign me up for that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the first issue, Mach 23. And the second issue is the safety, uh, the the landing, right? So of the reusable rocket it landing safely. So here's my situation. Here's my kind of rebuttals or here's my answer to that. Number one, if you're concerned about it landing uh, or not blowing up on reentry, I would say wait till it gets to about 10,000 feet or so which is the typical height for uh, parachuting and then jump out. Let the rocket take you 99% of the way, right? It's like in that movie Hitch when he's teaching a guy about how to kiss a girl and he's like, come 90 and let her come 10. He's like, I'll come 90, you come 10. Well, I'm not even asking you to come 90 or I'm not even asking you to come 10. I'm saying, listen, that rocket's going to bring you 99% of the way there. You jump out when you're about 10,000 feet up. Make sure you have your parachute on and you land yourself. There, problem solved. Because if you're uh, parachuting to the ground, you're not worrying about blowing the fuck up. I like the idea of, I want to go to Bangkok, right? I want to go to Thailand. I want to go to Singapore. I want to go to the Eastern Hemisphere for a lot of things. Travel, business, whatever. If I can get there in half an hour, if I can get there in half an hour, why wouldn't I want to do that? Now, I might be nostalgic from time to time and want to do like a three-hour flight. Sure. It's, uh, you're up at cruising altitude. You throw on your downloaded movie on Netflix. Listen to my podcast, perhaps. <laughs> and uh, Or you listen to three of my podcasts. My podcasts are like 15 minutes each. By the time you get there, uh, you have will have listened to three of my podcasts and you're all the way on the other side of the world. That doesn't sound too bad to me. But I think it's going to solve a lot of problems if we can get on a flight, not a flight, if we can get on a rocket. Get anywhere in the hour, get anywhere on the planet within one hour. Where would you go? Where do you live right now? And where would you go if you can get anywhere in one hour? You know, you might say, Well, Akeem, I'm not a rocket man. And uh, to that I say, Oh, no, no, no. I'm- A long long time till we get in that rocket sailing high it's been a pleasure talking to you too today I'm Akeem Brown thank you for listening to another episode of Akeem's Dream Show and until next time I'll see you in the stratosphere